Hey there. Welcome back to the I'm Still Here podcast with Tammy Lawrence, Symbolisti. Many of us have lost loved ones, and it brings a significant change in our lives. Our loved ones, however, would want us to continue to live on, being that we are still here. It's important for us to take care of our mental health as we move forward. So our intention is to continue to discuss grief, but widening our focus so that we might discuss other ways to help us live our lives. My hope is you continue this journey along with us as we shift to explore our new world with our loved ones hidden by our sides. Hi there. Today we are speaking with Dr. Ben Galliart. He's a founder and CEO of the F8 Wellness Centers, the Galliart Method, and he is a world-recognized speaker in neurofeedback and brain regeneration. He leads and teaches the Galliart Method to all doctors across the country while also working one-on-one with patients. Specifically, he helps women dealing with inflammation. Hello, Ben. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk about inflammation and you know how it really is. You could almost say the root cause of every condition out there. I mean, it, it is just such a, a game changer for so many people's health. If they have inflammation in their body, it's very challenging to be healthy. One of the things that I've uh, read before is, I can't remember her name, Julie. Anyhow, she wrote a book called Foods That Heal in- Inflammation. Mm, Do you work yes. with diet to help people get their inflammation under control? Yeah. And and this is kind of how I look at it. But my first book that I wrote, uh, it's called uh, Rebuild Your Brain, Stop the Damage, Start the Repair. And and this is kind of how I think about everything is you can't just start the repair and say, hey, go in and start chopping up some some turmeric root and put that into your tea and take some extra fish oil and do and, and you're going to reverse your inflammation by eating and taking enough stuff. If you're still creating all this inflammation, there's only so much you can do. So really it's stop the damage and start the repair. And so that's the thought process we've got to be having, especially with something like inflammation, what is contributing to that inflammation? And that's almost as, as important, if not more important than what are those things we can add in? Cause we can talk about anti-inflammatory foods, anti-inflammatory everything, but we have to think about why is the body creating this inflammation? What is causing this inflammation in the first place? That is a fantastic question. So being a yoga teacher, I deal with people that have inflammation all the time in their body, their knee, their ankle, their shoulder, whatever, any part of it. So how do we get people to come to an understanding of how inflammation is being created in the body? Yeah, absolutely. And this is this is something I see a lot where people will come in and they're even bone on bone in their knee. And they're like, well, I'm going to have to have a, a knee surgery or they go, oh, my, my shoulders just hurt, but I used to swim. So that's why my shoulders hurt or whatever. And so we just take it for granted that we're going to have, have pain and we're going to have aches and inflammation and things like that. And just from a personal perspective, I go back to, okay, I did a lot of athletics growing up. I broke a bone in my wrist, broke my ankle, hyperextended my knee, hyperextended my elbow, multiple concussions, uh, you know, used to squat 600 pounds of, of, uh, weights and all these not very smart things. And I'm 47 years old and wake up and I don't have aches and pains. I don't wake up and like, oh, you know, 
know, that old, that old football injury or whatever, it doesn't have to have, even though I have some joints that do have some degeneration and some joints that are altered. And so this is the really important part to think about is yes, you need to do yoga. You need to do stretching. You need to do strengthening for those joints and for those different areas that are damaged. But almost more importantly, you need to think about why is there inflammation in that? Because I guarantee you, one of your clients can come in and their ankle or their knee can do an x-ray and it can look bad, but there's somebody that it looks worse, but isn't as much pain, right? And, and so why is that? It, it, you can't just look at an x-ray and go, your knee is going to have an eight out of 10 pain scale, right? No, you, you can tell it, it may be painful, but it's the underlying inflammatory processes in the body that are driving this pain, driving what people are feeling as opposed to, oh, you know what, I've got a damaged tissue, but there's a lot of people didn't even have damaged tissues, then you really have to dig deep. Mm hmm. Bob Proctor used to say, don't let your diagnosis become your prognosis. And I think that's really vital, especially because you're right. I met a woman last week and she was talking about her shoulders. Oh, I need two shoulder replacements. And that's her first go-to versus, like you said, what is the underlying cause and how do I work towards healing from that level versus, oh, just replace them. Right. Yeah. And, and you know what? Maybe she will need to replace those shoulder joints. Maybe somebody will need to replace a hip joint or a knee joint or whatever. But you've also got to think about why is that happening in the first place? You know, unless somebody like, you know, they were an electrician and they did this, you know, every day for 40 years straight and just really, truly wore out their shoulders. You know, we shouldn't have shoulder degeneration to the point where we need a, a replacement. We should not have uh, in the in the U.S. knee and hip replacements are rampant. I'm assuming in Canada, it's a pretty similar similar thing. And and yet, you know, a lot of these, especially women, you've got this 65 year old female. She never played basketball. She never ran track. She didn't hike 14ers in Colorado and do all these things that, that destroyed that joint tissue. And yet, why is she having to have this, this knee replacement? And that's the question people need to be asking is, one, how can I prevent that from happening? And then two, even if it is happening, what, what can I do to calm down that inflammation and to start actually reversing what's going on? Mm -hmm. So what is the process of that? What do you do when people come in? Yeah, absolutely. So you start thinking about, uh, again, what, what is causing inflammation? And that's what we need to work on. Um, and so you've got these inflammatory processes that can be triggered by various imbalances in the body. And, and I always say I'm not smart enough to get past the basics. So I don't, I don't need to dig deep into genetics and into, you know, what exact little, you know, bacteria or parasite is in the, in the stool or all these things. I'm like, okay, big stuff, blood sugar. You know, that is, that is huge. My second book I wrote is called Blood Sugar Doesn't Lie. And we were the, the first office in the U.S. that every one of our patients started doing a fingerprint glucose testing. And that was probably 10, 12 years ago. And so every patient, whether they're pre-diabetic or diabetic or insulin resistant or hypoglycemic, it didn't matter. We started checking that. Uh, about three, four years ago, we were the first office in the U.S. that started doing every patient with a CGM, with a continuous glucose monitor. So we've literally looked at 
tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of days of people's blood sugar and what it's doing when it's going high, when it's going low. And we know there's a huge inflammatory component to that, not just high blood sugar, but actually the swings. And so I, I would much rather somebody be a little bit high all day long versus 160, 72, 140, 60, and bounce of those swings are very inflammatory to the body. That insulin release, every time you spike up, insulin kicks out, inflammation, high insulin and high glucose. Insulin's great, but in excess, lots of inflammation. Every time blood sugar crashes down, the adrenals kick in, tell the liver to release glucose. And so then you've got this adrenaline response, and then you've got that inflammatory process going on. So we've got this, this swing that so many people are doing, you know, they're skipping breakfast and they call it intermittent fasting, right? And they're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I, I never ate breakfast, so now I'll just call it intermittent fasting. But they're creating more of this hypoglycemic event, and they're stressing out the adrenals more. Um, and then they'll, they'll snack and eat things that spike and crash, and that's creating inflammation. When patients start stabilizing their blood sugar, 85 to 110 all day, every day, every night, we see significant changes. 5, 10, 15 pounds come off in the first 30 days. It's amazing what we see just by just by tweaking some of these uh, some of these numbers. So blood sugar is one of the first places that we start with. Mm, you bring up an interesting point because intermittent fasting is all over the place right now. It's it's you know everyone's <laughs> Yeah, right. They're either having one full day of fasting or they're doing the intermittent fasting. So are you suggesting that that's not necessarily the best thing for all people to do? Yeah. So here, here's the people that uh, should be doing it and should not be doing it. If you are 30, 50, 60, 100 pounds overweight and and you've got insulin resistance, you've got prediabetes, you've got diabetes, your blood sugar is consistently high all day long. If you're checking, doing a finger prick poke and you're high all day long, you're not crashing down at all. Uh, intermittent fasting could be beneficial. You can burn off some of that glucose. Uh, the longer period you go, even a whole day of, of fasting, just do some lemon lime water uh, and a little bit of maple syrup in there and drink on that all day. And that can, that can burn off some of that extra excess glucose. So that's a person that should be doing it. Um, but here's the thing, even for those that should be doing it, most are doing it incorrect and they are fasting in the morning. It's actually better to stop eating by about five o'clock at the latest and then fast until maybe eight o'clock the next next morning. And there's a great book, Dr. Bredesen, he wrote The End of Alzheimer's. If you haven't read it, he is amazing. I, I was just reading an article, the uh, Medicare system in the United States just approved this new Alzheimer's drug, and it's gonna cost Medicare $26,500 a year to give this drug to patients. And then and it's 80%, and then the copay is like, I think $450 a month to the patient. And, and yet the research shows it does not stop. It does not reverse Alzheimer's. It might slow it down a little bit, maybe for some people, but we're, we're going to be spending $30,000 a year. I mean, think of all the things, you know, how much yoga could you give somebody for $30,000 a year? You know, I could set somebody up with an oxygen machine in their house. I could set them up with a continuous 
continuous glucose monitor with a personal chef. We could do so much for $30,000 a year. And Dr. Bredesen has proven the, the ways that you can slow down and even start reversing Alzheimer's naturally without these drugs that really, really aren't, aren't uh, helping. And so that's a great book if anybody's looking, looking for uh, you know, what inflammation does to the brain. But he talks specifically about, yeah, stopping eating at least three or four hours before going to bed because that's when the brain is actually repairing is at nighttime. But if you're putting your energy into digestion, you're not going to be repairing the brain. So it's better to intermittent fast uh, from five o'clock ish all the way until breakfast, but break your fast by eating and, uh, and actually getting some good protein, some good fat. So the majority of patients we see are actually, uh, Hashimoto's autoimmune digestion. They're, they're not full-blown diabetic people. So, um, and they're maybe want to lose five, 10, 15, 20 pounds, but they don't, they don't need to lose a hundred pounds. And so most of these people are not just high glucose all the time. They're the ones that we were talking about where they're swinging up and down, up and down. So intermittent fasting is actually going to drive a more hypoglycemic state. It's going to push those adrenals to cause the liver to release glucose. And so if so, how many people have adrenal fatigue that you see that you work with? Yeah, quite a few. Um, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know about in Canada, but in the U.S., we have uh, a lot of stressors. <laughs> Jobs and cars and kids and COVID and presidents and uh, gas prices and you know, it, husbands and wives and you know about anything we can we can think about, we can stress about it. And so almost everybody has some adrenal imbalances, and we know that the number one stressor to the adrenals is actually blood sugar dips. So if somebody's intermittent fasting, especially in the morning, you you better make sure your adrenals are in tip-top shape before you start doing that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, people on the average aren't going to know this by themselves. Yeah. No, and so we, we can just assume, you know, if you're out there and, and you haven't run blood work, you haven't checked your cortisol, you haven't checked your DHEA, uh, if you're out there and want to know, then you need to you need to just say, okay, odds are, unless I'm full-blown diabetic or pre-diabetic, I'm probably swinging blood sugar high and low. Again, we've checked thousands and thousands of patients, and I have not found one that had totally stabilized blood sugar unless they were tracking it and testing it. And that's why we, we do it with every one of our patients. So uh, let's just assume that your blood sugar swing and unless you're diabetic, pre-diabetic, uh, you know, obese, things like that, intermittent fasting is not going to be great for you long-term. Uh, you know, you may lose weight short-term, but it's going to stress the adrenals even more. And if you do it, intermittent fast from early evening all the way until breakfast, not from kind of that 12 to eight, like a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. That's great advice. And yeah. inflammation. So if, for example, uh, let's go with COPD or something. If someone, obviously they're a heavy smoker, the first thing they should do is quit smoking. And then where would you take them, that type of a person? Yeah, absolutely. You know, odds are, and we'll get back to the basics. So um, odds are their blood sugar is not great. If somebody's smoking, uh, they, they're probably not eating a perfect, healthy, balanced diet. 
you know, that's just one of those things that, um, you know, they, they kind of come together. They're probably not eating great. So stabilize that blood sugar, get that, get that stabilized through there. Uh, look at the gut. The gut has a lot to do with inflammation as well. So many people have been on, uh, since they were a little kid, they had ear infections. And so they put them on antibiotics and then they had strep throat when they were in middle school a bunch of times and they put it on that. And then they lived in a moldy house when they were in college and they had to go on antibiotics for their uh, for their sinus infections. And then, uh, and, and it just goes, goes through this whole thing. And so people's guts are trashed their microbiome, which is the good, good stuff and bad stuff in your gut. We have more organisms that are not us in our gut than we have cells in our body that are us. So it basically, you know, it, it is a, a whole other universe inside of us in there. And that has to do with inflammation, with immune system, with our weight. Uh, they've done studies where they uh, transfer fecal, a fecal transplant between two people and their waist sizes switch. <laughs> they actually, one gains weight, the other lose, lose weight. And that's the only variable is their microbiome. It's crucial. So it's, it's got to be creating inflammation if that microbiome is out of balance. We've got leaky gut where that small intestine lining is irritated. And if you have autoimmune disease, 99.9% .9 of the time you've got leaky gut and you need to work on that small intestine lining. You've got to, again, people are like, oh, what do I need to take for leaky gut? I was like, well, stop the damage and start the repair. So you've got to stop damaging that. You've got to get rid of the, the candida or the yeast or the H. pylori or all these different things. And then you've got to take the good bacteria and you've got to take the glutamine and the marshmallow root and aloe vera and all these different things to start healing that up. But if somebody has leaky gut, very good likelihood they have inflammation. Uh, so then you go down, go down the path of, of just being overweight um, the, uh, Dr. Daniel Amen, he's, he's an amazing, uh, neurologist. He's done spec scans on patients for years and years. And, uh, he was just talking about a, uh, study that just came out showing it. I think it was in nature magazine showing that there's, um, 18 cancers that are driven by obesity. And so uh, I always say being overweight, being obese is not the cause of ill health. It's usually the symptom of ill health. Meaning you didn't just get overweight and then now, you know, now, now you're, now you have diabetes or now you have these other things. It's, you know, you've got blood sugar imbalances, you've got liver detoxification pathways where you can't clear out those hormones, all those things, and you start gaining weight. But what we also know is that being overweight and being obese, having that extra, those extra fat cells and, and all these, these inflammatory things, there's inflammation that happens just from being overweight. So then that's going to drive cancer. That's going to drive these 18 different cancers that are related to obesity and driven by these inflammatory uh, cascades that are triggered by being overweight as well. So, you know, it, it's which came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, it doesn't matter. You've got to fix all the systems and you've got to help your body alleviate this excess, excess body weight as well. So it's not as easy as just, okay, I need to uh, start a probiotic to get my gut health well, I, I, I wish I would be on late night TV, just selling, selling the magic probiotic. And I, I could sleep well at night doing that. But if I did that now, I would not sleep well at night because there is no magic probiotic. If anything, that's actually the wrong thing to do. 
And what we recommend in all of our patients, we actually do kill off first and then come in with the probiotic because you've got your bad stuff here, your good stuff here. And if you take some good stuff, it'll do this, but it won't knock down the bad stuff. You've only got so much room in your gut. So you've got to kill off and then bring it in and then kill off. And we'll do it two or three times sometimes if people have, have a bad enough microbiome. Mm -hmm. You know, you're making me think of apple cider vinegar because, it, again, it's a craze, right? Let's get on that apple cider vinegar and it's going to fix whatever ails you. Could you speak about that? Yeah, I, you know, this is the same thing. I, I'll, I'll be, uh, if you guys haven't seen my uh, social media, I'm on TikTok, uh, Instagram, Facebook. We've got a bunch of bunch of uh, channels out there and I'll do lives a lot. And people, they'll, they'll put in things like, uh, ACV, apple cider vinegar, uh, berberine. This is a really common one now too, where uh, people are like nature's metformin. So you don't need metformin, take berberine. And I'm like, how much berberine do you have to take to counterbalance drinking a, a you know, big old ice cream, ice cream shake and a, and a Big Mac, you know, there's no amount of berberine that's going to overcome that. And, uh, and same thing with apple cider vinegar. Sure. It can, it can give you a little bit more acidity. A lot of patients actually don't make enough stomach acid as you age. And as you're under stress, which again is probably the majority of the people you're seeing in your your, uh, your clientele, aging and stressing, we produce too little stomach acid. So then you're not breaking down your protein, you're not breaking down your iron, you're not breaking down your calcium, and uh, and so then we've got this this deficiency. So some apple cider vinegar can be helpful for that. Uh, it can have some some helpful effects for some other things, but again, it's not going to overcome if you're still doing all this damage, stop the damage, start the repair. So yes, it can be a little bit of a repair, but if you're still damaging day in and day out, there's only so much that you can take of anything. I could give you 40 different, different bottles of pills and you're not going to overcome a poor diet, lack of exercise, a stressed mind, uh, you know, lack of, lack of flexibility and, you know, all these things that we're, we're fighting on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So the mental component that that does produce inflammation as well, right? When we're constantly in this state of worry, stress, then hamster wheel around and around and around. Absolutely. I'll, I'll ask people uh, when I'm doing a live talking about autoimmune, I'll say, put down below uh, what stressful event flared up your autoimmune. And, you know, there'll be, there'll be hundreds of people and they'll say, oh, death of so-and-so, divorce, you know, loss of a kid, you know, all these different things. And you're like, well, how can that trigger an autoimmune or flare in autoimmune? And you're like, well, uh, that, that stressful event, we know the adrenals have a lot to do with our immune and inflammatory cascade. And we know that cortisol elevated cortisol. There used to be a, a supplement called Cortitrim, Cortislim, and you take it to help cortisol and then, you, oh, it gets rid of your belly fat. You know, like it doesn't, but but the, the thought was there where high cortisol, definitely we, we will store more belly fat. And so the more stressed out somebody is, we're going to store more weight around the abdomen. So absolutely, it creates this inflammatory uh, cascade in the body as well. I, I look at it like this when, when we're thinking about autoimmune, uh, the adrenals is one of the first things that I talk about. If someone's having stressful one-time big stressors or low grade, you know, oh, I'm taking care of grandma with Alzheimer's for 10 years. Yeah, that is very challenging on the body and it's going to drive this immune inflammatory cascade. Blood 
blood sugar swings, every time it spikes up, every time it crashes down, it revs up this immune inflammatory cascade. Vitamin D is crucial. Uh, 60 to 80 is where somebody wants to be on their vitamin D. And if you've got autoimmune, closer to 80. So uh, vitamin D modulates that inflammatory cascade. And so it's going to turn up the immune inflammatory process and turn it down at the right time. But if you are dealing with low vitamin D, you're not going to be able to modulate like you should. Infections, chronic infections, Epstein-Barr virus, H. pylori, other viruses, Lyme disease are going to drive this immune inflammatory cascade. And so some people even like mold living in a moldy house, they'll gain 30, 40, 60 pounds as, as this inflammatory protective mechanism from the body. You've got leaky gut again, like we talked about. You've got environmental toxins can drive this. The average female is exposed to 160 chemicals by the time they leave the bathroom every morning. Wow. I've got four boys. I don't really know all the, all the stuff you guys do, but there's like eye things and cheek stuff. And uh, I said, told my wife that like uh, uh, hairspray. And she's like, yeah, women don't really do hairspray anymore. I'm like, well, you know what I'm saying? Whatever, whatever whatever people do you know so just just those chemicals create this inflammatory cascade so, so that's what you've got to be thinking about what are these underlying systems that are driving that immune inflammatory process mm -hmm. and then when there's a, the the emotional setbacks like you said when you're going dealing with your uh, elderly parent or whatever whomever that must be taken care of how do we deal with that mental health component for self to bring that inflammation down yeah, absolutely. And that's where, uh, you know, thankfully in today's day and age, there's a lot of, of tools out there. Uh, you, you could work with pretty much any counselor, therapist, uh, yoga therapist, you know, that we've got, we're, we're talking on Zoom right now. That's, you know, it's this beautiful thing. 75% of our patients are, uh, are virtual now. And uh, we, we've got a lot in Canada. We talk to people all over the United States. So, you know, it's great. You can work with people all over. You can, uh, there's programs that you can buy and work through courses. I mean, YouTube, my, uh, I've got four boys, my oldest just graduated high school and they, if they want to learn something, they go on YouTube, watch five or six videos, and now they know how to how to install a window or change change the brakes on the car or whatever. You know, so we've got so much information. We were just talking about AI before this as well. You know, you, you jump on Chatbot or some of those and say, "Hey, come up with uh, the ten step process to uh, to help me get out of a stressful stressful state." Yeah, and and so you know, there's you can use technology for that. We use neuro feedback uh, with our patients. Neurofeedback trains the brainwave patterns. It's a subconscious uh, brain training to get them out of that fight or flight state, changes the electrical patterns. And we see miracles all the time with that. Uh, things like meditation, you know, you can go old school, right? <laughs> not, not technology for you, but, you know, focus on your breath. Focus on your, you know, if you're doing proper yoga, that's what you're you're doing yoga for is to focus on your breath and slow it down and and quiet that monkey mind and and all those all those powerful tools that we know are are stimulated by by going down this path. So it's possible. You know, it, it takes time, even in, in the Bible, you know, that there's I can't remember how many verses there are, but there's so many that say, fear not. 
have don't have anxiety worry you know don't worry all these different things i mean it's been there forever right people have been worrying and, and anxious for a long time and uh and so this isn't anything new but just the speed at which our society is is going now it just you know can you imagine being a kid right now and having to have they went through covid and skipping a whole year of school and being online and then they kind of forget how to interact with people and so now they're more comfortable like talking to a device versus talking to people and i mean it's 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 intense for people now yeah absolutely totally agree what is the average length of time that you work with a client on usually yeah so uh, most of our patients have have some chronic condition of some type you know whether that's an autoimmune a thyroid a gut or multiple and it's about six month process to really work through each and every system. So what what I think it, you know no matter uh, who you're going to work with, make sure that they are going on a systems based approach and not just going oh you've got these symptoms let's give you a bunch of these supplements, give you a bunch of these uh these diets or cleanses or whatever but hey okay, let's label it out. Here's your seven systems your adrenals, you've got leaky gut, your microbiome's off, you got this, this, and this. We're going to go through each and every one of those now. And it might take three weeks on this. It might take two weeks on that, four weeks on that. And you need to go system by system by system. And each one of those is going to help the other because we're all interrelated. But you know, for most people, especially autoimmune level type stuff is about six months. And you know, they may still need to continue working on different systems for the next six months. But the great part is even within the first 30 days, we get to see miracles all the time. People, they'll be down 5, 10, 15 pounds. Uh, the, they'll have five complaints that they come in for, and three of them will be significantly better. We get to see changes very quickly. And again, it's starting with the basics. It's not, oh my gosh, we need to you know, run $2,000 worth of tests and figure out all these things and then take all these pills. All these. No, it's, hey, let's start on your blood sugar. Let's start on your gut. Let's start on the inflammation. Let's start on, on the liver detoxifying like it's supposed to. Let's get these basics figured out. And that's where you start getting to see the miracles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And once we eliminate the inflammation, most times the body is smart enough that it'll just bring itself back to a state of homeostasis. Absolutely. That's the beautiful part. Uh, my mom, she, when I was in high school, she got diagnosed with MS and ended up going on the drugs. She uh, had to get a cane, got a wheelchair, went on disability. And that was kind of, we thought, man, that's going to be kind of it. Uh, fortunately, my dad ended up retiring. They moved down to uh, in this small town in Missouri and they found a doctor that was doing functional medicine like we do before it was even called functional medicine back in the 90s. And he's like, hey, you know what? I don't know what's going on and why this is happening, but I do know that your gut's off and that your brain's off and that your liver's off. And he went through system by system by system. And her body said, wow, I kind of like this. Getting rid of all this bad stuff. Now I can actually start repairing. She got off all the MS drugs. She gave away her wheelchair. She gave away her, her cane. And her last MRI 20 years ago, the neurologist said, you don't have MS anymore. If you're not on any drugs, 
I guess we'll just call it a miracle. She's 80 years old. She uh, today just picked up my two younger boys, uh, her and my dad taking them fishing today. She does granny boot camp and uh, she gets up on the roof and clears out branches and all kinds of stuff. She does not have MS anymore. Why? Because of what you were just saying, the body was designed beautifully well and can do amazing, amazing things. If you give it enough of the good stuff, take out enough of the bad stuff, that's when we get to see miracles. The body wants to maintain homeostasis. Uh, we, we've, uh, my, me and my sons hunt and we'll shoot deer and elk. And anytime that happens, I mean, big, beautiful animals. And, and it's just such a, a, an amazing event when, when we are working with that animal at, at the end of its life there. And the first thing thought I usually have though, is this animal is not dealing with glaucoma or cancer or type two diabetes or have migraines and goes, Hey, Hey guys, you go ahead. I'm going to sit in this cave for the next 24 hours. Cause it's too bright or they're not dealing with uh, menstrual cramps and like, Oh man, this is, this is bad. I've got to, um, you know, I've got to take some pills for, for the cramping or going birth control or whatever, you know, because they're going and doing what they, they're eating the grass, they're running around, they're doing what they need to do. You bring a dog, into a human's household and what do the dogs start getting at least in the united states i'm assuming canada same thing thyroid issues they're they're doing hip replacements on dogs they're getting autoimmune diseases all these different things because they're starting to get exposed to the same chemicals they're sniffing the same roundup in the grass they're they're breathing the the same toxic air and the chemicals from the couches and furniture and all of these different things and guess what they're going to do the same thing. If we brought an elk into our house, that elk would start getting the same, same conditions we have. Mm -hmm. So yeah, making these small and subtle changes that can turn into some pretty large changes in the end. Absolutely. So here, here's, here's one last thing. You don't have to go out and take all of your makeup, all of your cleaning products, all of your food, all of your stuff and just go, I'm throwing it all away and starting over. It's it, little steps. Like you were saying, what do you change your laundry detergent to when you run out next time? Can you do something healthier, less chemicals, less smell, less toxic? Uh, your, your eggs, can you do something different than those just regular store-bought eggs? Okay, I'm going to get it organic. Or if you're already getting organic, can I get them from the from the farmer down the road? Can you can you start doing some things differently? Changing your bedtime routine and saying, okay, I'm not going to be on my phone for at least 60 minutes before I want to go to bed. So if that's 10 o'clock, nine o'clock, no more electronics. Okay, then what else can I do? Well, I'm going to get out my massage gun and I'm going to work work all my tight spots. Okay, what else can I do? Well, I'm going to change out my my lamp and I'm going to put in, in a salt lamp or put in a reddish orangish light in there. And then, okay, next step. Well, then I'm going to get blackout curtains and I'm going to make sure that street light from my neighbor is not shining into my, my room. Okay, next step. Now you're going to uh, start going into a, a colder temperature, 63, 65 degrees at night uh, so that you actually get into that deeper quality sleep state. And so this is where you can just keep going down deeper and deeper but it doesn't have to be all today. You just go step by step and you start making those mild changes. And six months, a year, two years from now, it, life's going to be a lot different. Mm, it's that whole quote. You don't have to see the take the whole staircase, just the first step. Yep. How, how do you eat an elephant, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you so much for taking time to speak with us today, Ben. It's been fantastic and definitely informative. Uh, there's a lot of food for thought in there, and I hope listeners have enjoyed it. Thank you.
Thank you for listening. We're grateful to our guests for sharing their experience and their knowledge with us. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others who might find it helpful. Be sure to follow up our links on social media, which were offered in the show notes. A special shout out to Kevin McLeod and Incomputech for our background music entitled Happy Dreams. Wishing you a fabulous day.